3: Howard here. Steelheart by Brandon Sanderson is out. It's about a young man who's trying to assassinate the epic emperor of Chicago. I loved it, and I think you will too. Audible.com has generously given Brandon several copies to give away, but as tyrannical epics ourselves, Giordo, Mary, Dan, and I think you should suffer for them. Confess your epic weakness to us and to the world on Twitter. Your tweet should read something like this. My epic weakness is room temperature chicken salad and the chance to win the Steelheart audiobook from at writing excuses. Do this on Monday. Tuesday, we'll pick a winner and use their epic weakness to kill them! <laughs> I'm just kidding. We'll use their Twitter handle to send them a direct message with instructions on how to pick up their audiobook. If you'd like a template from which to cut and paste the non-chicken salad parts of your tweet, check the liner notes for this episode at writingexcuses.com. If you don't tweet or feel unsafe confessing your epic weakness for some reason, you can also visit audible.com excuse, start a trial membership, and download Steelheart for free. Note, my weakness is not room-temperature chicken salad, so don't try anything. Now, here is this week's episode.
0: Season 8. Episode 39. This is Writing
4: Excuses, dystopian fiction,
0: fifteen minutes long because you're in a hurry,
4: and we're not that
5: smart. I'm Brandon. I'm,
0: I'm Dan. Dan. I'm Mary,
5: and we have special guest star Sherry Priest. Hello. Yay. Yay. <laughs> I like coming this from room. Mary's base- <laughs> parents' basement once again at the Writing Excuses <laughs> retreat, and Sherry, thank you for coming. Tell the listeners a little bit about yourself.
2: Um, that's not one of the questions you said I'd have to answer <laughs> um,
5: <laughs> Hopefully it's an easier It's an easy sort of one No,
2: yes, it is uh, My name is Sherry Priest I write books and stuff And mm-hmm. uh, I've had about 14 published Anytime anyone says I've read your book They mean Bone Shaker And uh, so that's okay I'll, I'll take it Just bought a nice house Thank you, Bone Shaker <laughs> And uh, I've got a few things coming up We've got one more in that franchise The steampunk franchise coming out this fall It's called Fiddlehead And a couple more projects with another company next year so.
5: Excellent and we're going to talk about dystopian fiction. When we do these sort of podcasts on a specific genre, I like to ask for a definition up front, just in case those listening aren't, don't know what we mean by dystopian fiction. So, Dan, what is dystopian fiction?
4: Oh, you give me the hard question. What? <laughs> you
5: just wrote the entire dystopian trilogy? Yes, okay. But the thing is, depending
4: on how granular we want to get, that mm-hmm. definition gets really cloudy. Okay. Um, at its most basic form, I would say that you know, dystopia means terrible place. Okay. Um, it, 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 of it, utopia. The opposite of a utopia. It is a bad place. And so dystopian fiction is something that focuses on uh, one person or one group's struggle against some form of oppression. Okay. Um, what, in whatever form that
5: takes. Now, would you say that the post-apocalyptic genre is a cousin of dystopian? or a subset of dystopian, or dystopian? Like, how, how do those two relate?
4: Well, it depends. You know, it's kind of the, the old school dystopias are things like 1984 and mm-hmm. Fahrenheit 451, which are, you know, literally trying to say, this is a government or a society out of control. Yeah. And m- today, there's a lot of dystopias that are much more free form. Partials, for example, the first one does have an oppressive government in yes. it. Yes. But the rest of the series is dystopian only in the sense that you would never want to live there um they they don't have that oppression anymore but it's just a post-apocalyptic wasteland
5: right all right um so dystopian stories have been around since like the beginning of science fiction one of the you could even argue that some of the origins of science fiction are the are the concept of the 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 things going wrong once when we think we can control everything um and how that just goes so horribly um for everyone so what is it about dystopian that draws us to it. Why do we want to read about it? Everything, well, you know, from 1984 to Uglies um, have been bestsellers and and hit the the collective unconscious and things. Why?
0: Well, this is actually an interesting thing that people tend to do, uh, kind of, for a, a long time before we had names like dystopian. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which is that when society is uh, in a, a boom time, when when things are, are flush, we tend to have leisure time to focus on on big weighty questions, and that that's when you start seeing things like dystopian fiction Mm -hmm. pop up. Um, When things are going really, really badly, uh, when you've got lots of uh, recessions, Great Depression, wars, that's when comedies and musical theater go to arise. So I think that one of the reasons that dystopians were go- being so hot there for a while was that we were in a boom time. Okay. And I think we're starting to actually see that swing around to the other direction. Um,
4: well, to, to, to counter maybe a little of what you're saying, I don't think it's a coincidence that the massive, massive wave of YA dystopia um, has followed so closely on the heels of us getting involved in, you know, now a 11-year-long war. Yeah. Um, you know, we're seeing a lot of dystopian elements creep into our real-world society, and so we're interested in reading about it.
0: Absolutely, but those, those elements are also things, because for the majority of the people in the United States going about their day-to-day life, that eleven-year war does not have a direct impact on them. They may Very know someone. True. They may know someone, but it's not having a direct impact on them. But they are thinking about it. But because they were in a, a boom time, a leisure time, they had the leisure to think about it. Ah. And that is that is different than being in a period of of distress where you want a relief from the distress, and that's when comedies and musical theaters tend to rise.
5: Okay, Sherry. Mm-hmm. You said you have written some dystopian. What have you written that you would cla- categorize as
2: dystopian? Um, it, well, probably the best-known stuff is the steampunk stuff. And that, right. that is I- at least the first one. Or anything set in Seattle is dystopian. Mm-hmm. So Bone shaker and it's Because it's
5: Seattle? <laughs>
2: Partly because it's Seattle. Um, it's a cold, dark, wet place filled mm-hmm. with, with hostile entities. Mm-hmm. And then I put zombies in it and rolled right. it off.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs>
2: No, Seattle was very, very kind to me, but I'm from the Gulf Coast. I found it a little difficult. Uh, the, the thing for me about dystopian, the brand of it that I like in particular, because it, like Dan was saying, there's a million and one different kinds mm-hmm. of dystopia. I like the ones that go, you know, yesterday the world ended. Here's what happened next. Right, right. And, and that is always like, like uh, kind of the conceit that begins the steampunk stuff in Bone Shaker is like, well, the city was destroyed mm-hmm. and abandoned. Right. And here's what happened next. And okay. then it's about everything that is, it's like, well, clearly some other things happen, and clearly, uh, you know, people will, will reorganize themselves, they'll mm-hmm. reestablish themselves, people are, are incredible vermin, you can't get rid of them. So, well, all right, well, now what does their society look like in here? And and that kind of thing is, is always terribly interesting to me. Um, if, and this will maybe sound like a strange angle to come at okay. it from, but I love the economics of it. Mm. Like, the first thing I think about when I'm trying to build anything, even if it's, if it's dystopian, if it's YA, if it's, you know, mm-hmm. mystery, whatever, where is the money coming from? How do people earn a living here? Um, but like I said, I'm from the Gulf Coast. There's a lot mm-hmm. of shrimpers, a lot of fishermen, a lot of uh, seafood. Also true in Seattle, there are a lot of mariners and a lot of, uh, you know, people. Oh, my God, the, 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 the Copper Hill salmon was, was wonderful.
0: I am um, sorry. Oh, yes, yeah. I'm
2: sorry, no. No, no, sorry. I, I, but I digress, that was really delicious, um, <laughs> <laughs> but the idea is like, well, how are people earning a living, and so now you know roughly what the structure of your society is, and, and in that franchise, it's basically drug running, because there's, mm-hmm. not, there's nothing left to sell, so this is what you sell, so then you have drug runners, but that means right. you have people who produce the drugs, you have people who buy the drugs and distribute the drugs, and, and starting from that, you can kind of start to populate your world, and dystopia is interesting, because it breaks down all the stuff that you already know, says now you have all those tools are gone start over
5: you know i think there's um there's a lot of things that draw me to dystopian i love reading dystopian i enjoy writing it i haven't done as much but you could really argue that mistborn is a dystopian fantasy novel Uh, oppressive Mm -hmm. government all this sort of stuff so i'm fascinated by it for a couple of reasons number one utopias are boring right and if we start reading about one we know we're reading a story (laughs) we're gonna look for the dark underbelly of it because you know, if everything is going well, we don't have a story. Stories are about things going wrong. And so this idea of everything being wonderful, but this sort of dark underbelly is is just, I think, fascinating to us. But beyond that, just the idea that everything is awful and everything sucks. There's so much conflict going on, <laughs> and that means so much story to tell. But it also kind of means that there is so many there are so many interesting places to go with stories like this. Because... Everything's out the window. All of these social structures you talked about have been broken down, and we can get to this idea of how do you survive in this half-familiar but half-bizarre environment um, I think makes for excellent stories.
1: Hey, writers. Are you thinking about learning a new language? I think exploring the world, experiencing other cultures, and being able to communicate with people outside your everyday experience lets you create richer, better stories. For a very limited time, Writing Excuses listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
5: Now let's go ahead and do our book of the week. We are actually going to do Dreadnought okay. by Sherry Peace Priest. Yay. By coincidence. coincidence. Sherry, will you tell us about this book?
2: Uh, Dreadnought is basically a follow-up to Bone Shaker, but not uh, a direct sequel. And, and the, the number one piece of criticism disguised as feedback <laughs> I, I got with regards to Bone Shaker was, uh, because it is loosely set against the backdrop of, a, of an American civil war that runs for 20 years, people wanted to see what was actually happening with the rest of the country, because let's be honest, Seattle, not a lot of civil war action. Uh, so we start in Virginia, and we follow a, a civil war nurse cross country in a quest to go find her father and there are spies and there are trains a train called the dreadnought that's a union war machine that she ends up on and and uh zombies and monsters in the james game makes a cameo appearance and um basically it's just an awful lot of fun although the first three chapters are kind of sad i'll just warn you now in okay. fact <laughs> when my editor got them she sent me an email she's like so these first three chapters can we just like have some puppies or something? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, can we just, just a joke. I mean, the first three chapters are set in a Civil War <laughs> hospital. Sad things happen, but um, it's, it Perfect turns into an adventure novel. A dystopian yeah, it's, Exactly, a yeah. What's more dystopian than a, than a protracted Civil War? Exactly. You know, against the <laughs> backdrop of zombies and drug <laughs> trafficking. I mean, come on now.
5: Well, you guys can all go get a free copy of Dreadnought by heading to audiblepodcast.com slash excuse, where you can start a 30-day free trial, download, and enjoy Sherry's book, have it read to you, and also support the podcast.
0: And I'm just going to put in a plug that this is a book that I absolutely loved. Okay, thank you. It's, it's one of my favorites, too, yeah. actually. I, I loved <laughs> Bone Shaker, but I actually liked Dreadnought better.
2: Well, my, my dad and my stepmother were both uh, military nurses most of my life, and so this was kind of the book to them for them. Yeah.
5: So Wonderful. Well, for the second half of the podcast, as I usually like to do, let's turn away from the defin- defining what it is or what makes it interesting and talk about how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea being... How, let's say our audience is out there listening, saying, wow, that sounds awesome. I want to write dystopian too. Um, number one, you're enjoying that too much because you need to get to a a, a more difficult place if you're going to write dystopian. But what what do do we want them to do? Uh, What what suggestions do we have? Drink, Um, apparently. (laughs) Wallow in despair.
4: Well,
0: you you have two ways you can go about it. Mm One is that you can decide how the world ends and then what the society looks like after that. And the other is that you can decide what you want your society to look like and how we got there from here. Okay, yeah. Um, But either way, you have to know at some point what it is that caused things to be the way they are. Right. And the reason is because, you know, I mean, as we talk about with any world-building exercise, there will be moments when... If you haven't thought it through you will come up with something that will just totally kick your reader out of the story right you know Mm -hmm. like the um well we've completely lost all power but look at all of these elevators Mm -hmm. now you're right for a big
4: portion of the audience but one of the things that i have learned as i tour with uh you know the harper books and all of the the really the the ya market science fiction Mm -hmm. rather than the kind of general market science fiction is that a lot of the, the dystopians that are big right now, they have no connection to our world.
0: Oh, interesting. And
4: uh, Divergent by Veronica Roth is a great example of this. Mm-hmm. She literally describes it as, as a thought experiment. She says, I'm not concerned with how our society got from A to
5: B. I just thought B was really interesting, and I wanted to see what happened. You know, there. and I've seen a lot of those two recently in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a big one that my wife read, which I, the name escapes me. Oh, I should... I should fi- have found this, but the idea being <clears throat> that um, unwi- unwind or something like this, where when your teenagers mm, get mm-hmm. to a certain age, the parents can just decide to have them executed. <laughs> um, and so, if you're not a kid growing up, it was um, you could just be executed like age 13 or whatever it is. Your parents can give you up. they give that one chance. And yeah. when the premise was told to me, it sounded completely ridiculous. I'm like the idea was that the pro choice and the pro life people got together and made this sort of uh, deal. <laughs> 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 it just yeah. sounded. Absolutely ridiculous, Uh, but the idea is not for that story that it really happened or that it really could happen. It is the, what if Mm -hmm. you could send off your teenager to be unwound and they'd use their body parts, you know, for dying people and things like that. What would that do to teens? And that idea is awesome. The, how did you get here? You know, the science fiction writer in me wants to say, but no, there's no way. But the storyteller in me says, I can see how you really want to tell that story.
4: Let's, yeah. let's see how it goes. And and so
5: this is a case where
4: you really need to consider who your audience is going to yes. be and who you're going to sell it to. You would not take one of those kind of flight of fancy, what if stories to right. tour necessarily. <laughs> right. Certainly not tour adults. To parents
2: of teenagers, perhaps. <laughs> um,
4: but you know, if <laughs> you're going <laughs> for a teen audience, uh, you know, Ali Condy's books, Veronica Roth's books, um, Cassandra Clare. Uh, no, not Cassandra Clare. I'm thinking somebody else. But anyway. Um, that is there there's a huge audience for that right now you just have to know
5: it now one of the things i would say if you're thinking about writing dystopian is you might want to consider is it the open dystopia or the closed dystopia like for instance is does everybody know that this sucks and they're just trying to get along, and mm-hmm. there's got you've got it's kind of this you know regime in charge that's oppressing everybody, or is it the sort of thing where you know there's the hidden dark secret like uh, like Westerfeld's Uglies, you know, everyone mm-hmm. gets to be gorgeous as soon as they they get to whatever age it is, it's like sixteen or eighteen, everyone has plastic surgery, they're made gorgeous, and 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 life is wonderful, and they just party all day, but there's a deep dark secret that's going to screw this all up. That's one of the things I really love about dystopia is the idea that. For some
4: or arguably most of the population, it is a utopia.
5: Mm -hmm.
4: Um, And they just haven't seen the other half or they're not affected by it.
5: Right, right. Um, So, is dystopia overplayed? Those who are wanting to write it, is this a worry, is this a concern? Because we just talked about this big string of dystopian stories. Is this, and, and you, Dan, said you thought that it might be hitting a certain wave where, where, or was it you, Mary? Yeah, where we're getting think, happy, ag- or we getting I, I sad think again? Both so of we'll us be were happy. having a conversation yeah. Yeah, about that.
0: I think I, I think that we are starting to see things swing towards people wanting escapist mm-hmm. um, ways to escape, uh, which which would probably indicate a, a decrease in interest in dystopia. On the other hand, you know, it is a it is a genre now that. Mm-hmm. And, and there there are lots of questions to be explored within that
5: and i always just say write what you love yes right you may mm. want to be aware of the fact that these might be these might start getting harder to sell but you know what every time i you know talked to somebody who broke in it seems like they were doing something that was harder to sell yeah. for a while and yeah. then either the market came around or they made the market come around by getting published and writing a great book
4: well and this is a case where it, it all comes down to what you write in the cover letter, mm-hmm. you know, because while dystopia might be on its way out, mm-hmm. or, or at least it, it's, its footprint is getting smaller, science fiction, especially in YA, is exploding <laughs> right yeah. now. You know, um, you, you we used to have so much, you know, thanks to Westerfeld's uglies mm-hmm. and thanks to Hunger Games, we had this huge boom of dystopia, and that's not decreasing so much as it's just broadening into... Science fiction in general So you could write You know Whatever you want Any kind of this Dystopia we're talking about The closed or the open Or, or the zombie What you Seattle. need to
0: do Is a comic dy- dystopia
4: The, the really, comedic, funny yeah. Dystopia, yeah. really funny dystopia Really funny dystopia we both That's right and, and then you You know You take it to the, your, your editor And if it's a good book They'll say This is a great book And they just won't put The word dystopia On the cover mm-hmm. if, dy- if they think That would hurt it
2: Yeah but, but the great thing About young people In particular like, No teenager reads a book and goes, this is the greatest book ever, and puts it down, and I shall never read another. Right. No, they Mm -hmm. go, this was awesome, and I have to tell all my friends, and I want more like this.
4: Exactly. So there's room
2: for the genre to continue to boom, and and, like like you were saying with the rise and fall and the curve and whatnot, um, some years back... I was trying to sell a, a novel about an obsessive-compulsive vampire, and nobody mm-hmm. would touch it with a 10-foot pole. And then Twilight broke, and everybody went to my agent going, gimme, 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 gimme. Didn't you have one about a vampire? There was something funny about it? It didn't sparkle, did it? Here, give it here. And <laughs> and so then those books came out, and, and it was... But everything, like, every time you think it's dead, something will pop right back up, and, and it... Young adult is really leading the charge because, well, for one thing, somebody figured out somewhere along the way that teenagers give parents money for things that they think are useful and helpful, and maybe aren't video games or porn. So they give them books, Mm -hmm. and uh, they they read a lot, and uh, they're they're wonderful. I'm about to do a young adult project, so I'm very interested in making young people interested in my material, and it's not dystopian at all. But
3: (laughs) (laughs) but but, (laughs) but you're right.
4: One of the great (laughs) things, I agree with you. YA is leading that charge. In part because teens will read anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not yet. So many of us adults are like, "Well, I'm a science fiction reader, or I'm an epic fantasy reader, or I'm a horror reader." Uh, there's mm-hmm. no Western readers.
2: Kids are like, <laughs> "What's <this? laughs> Kids
4: have not solidified into a genre yet. They'll read anything.
2: Mm-hmm. You, all right. They'll pick something up off a table because they're sitting around. I, I'm serious. I like hear this from people. Yeah. Like, I don't know, my kid found this on a desk somewhere and read it. What's this? Yeah, I would just read the like cereal they're just box. bored. Exactly. We used to fight over cereal boxes to such an extent that my parents, well, my grandparents, we were all. Me and like I'm one of nine cousins, and we all live together at one point in time or another. The grandparents insisted on buying the generic cereal because we fought over the cereal boxes so badly at breakfast. Well, anyway, it was very, she it was would tragic. Write her own
4: stories on the side of the we box. We did
2: in that's my t- in my that's tears. Writing prompt. There you are, all right Mary. <laughs> give us a
0: writing
5: prompt.
4: So the
0: writing prompt this week is to base a dystopia on breakfast cereal. Awesome. All right,
5: all right, you guys Cold, are out of excuses materials. now. Go write.